Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for January, for January, for the whole month of January, Yeah, for for Friday, January 5th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze. Look, we get to the new year and then I don't know how to talk about the dates. Uh, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. We are excited to be back at Boombus Craft Pizza and Tap House once again, JT, joining me uh, after a little holiday with the family, getting back in here. JT, producer JT with me as always. How are you? Are you excited we can finally talk one final time about a Titans game and then mercifully be done talking about it this year excited about talking about being finished talking about the 2023 Titans right yes Mm -hmm. ecstatic to be talking about the 2024 Titans come Monday even more so like I'm so ready but yeah we're excited to be back here I know uh yeah, I don't I, I don't know. It's just like you said, it, it is the whole month of January. It's just, you know, at the beginning of every year, it's just like I mean, I've only getting done, back I, into the I've done this things. intro 900 times. Yeah. And the fact that I, in my head, I'm like, oh, it's January now. And then just blank, just nothing. Uh, it is 2024. We're excited for a new year, kind of just to cap off 2023, uh, not to like spend seven minutes being sentimental. But thanks to everybody that watched in 2023, our show experienced like sevenfold growth from what it was easily our best year and month after month all year long we increased no matter how bad the titans were no matter how little there was to talk about in the middle of the summer we had a fantastic year thanks to you guys so thank you so much for listening hoping to have an even better 2024 i know jt and i are already planning our transition to the off season plenty of free agency talk and money for the titans to be spending plenty of draft talk as our draft coverage is only going to be bigger and better this year Planning on coming to you from the Senior Bowl, certainly coming to you from the Combine. Going to have even bigger and better special guests on with us, folks that know even more about the draft than we do. And there are plenty of those people out there, some real experts we're going to have in here on the show. Excited to bring all that to you in the coming months. But for now, we're talking Titans and no shortage of things to talk about today revolving around the the past week or so of rumor mills rumors as our buddy zach lyons has has uh deemed it which i think is absolutely appropriate it's Vrabel, it's ran carthon it's amy adams strunk we're going to talk about today i have a lot of thoughts on all three of those folks and we would love to hear your thoughts on them as we go along in today's episode again it's our it's really our one and only boomba's preview show all year long we've done now 17 of these where we're gonna sort of talk about the titans jaguars but Listen, that's not nearly as exciting and interesting to you and to us than uh, than talking about what this team is going to look like come Monday when this offseason is officially upon us and some decisions have to be made. Some relationships maybe need to be mended or maybe some will be broken. We're diving into all of that today, and we'd love for you to be a part of that conversation. You can do so by joining us on YouTube. Go to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's where you're going to find this live stream. So if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook watching with us live, thanks for tuning in. You'll have an even better viewing experience if you head on over to YouTube, Broadway Sports Media's page. You'll find this live stream. And in the comment section of that live stream, that's where you can join the conversation. We'll be able to see what you have to say. Join Derek and Kyle and Polar and Stoney with the Sobros Network all ready in here. Appreciate you guys doing that. One last thing, if you're with us live today on a Thursday evening, Help us out by sharing the show however you can, whether it's liking the YouTube video, liking the tweet or the Facebook post, hitting retweet, sending the link to a buddy, whatever you can do to help us get as many live eyeballs on today's show as possible. We would love for you to do that. All right. We're going to tell you more about our wonderful and amazing sponsors here at Boom Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House a little bit later in today's show. And boy, am I excited 
to uh, be not not that we're going to rush through today's show, but I am sitting here rather hungry. Had a light lunch today in preparation for the food that I am about to partake in here at Boom Boss Crab Pizza and Tap House. Uh, it's going to be a good time. And even though there's no Thursday night football tonight, we are still under contract with Boom Boss through the Super Bowl. And not not that we don't want to be here. We do. We are actively hoping to not to put any public pressure on Boombus. We're hoping to continue our partnership with them. We've loved partnering with them. They seem to have liked partnering with us. So hopefully that continues through the draft season. And we get to keep coming here. And we would love for you to come and join us when we're here. Even when there's no football to watch. JT, even with no Thursday Night Football, like we're, you got to realize there are other sports going on. There's no, some great basketball, some great hockey. It's kind of the biggest thing because... Since getting into working uh, kind of in the NFL media market, right. my love for for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is still the str- like one of the strongest things in my life, just kind of gets pushed down mm-hmm. like into the bottom of my uh, of the abyss of my heart. But now that we're getting into the draft coverage, I, I can you know I can have a little bit of time to see how my team is doing. Rekindle that flame. Not great, but you know they're they're doing all right. Well, I feel we all feel really bad for you because the Lightning have had a really tough past half decade or so. I mean, it's tough. Uh, I see a couple of you guys in the comments. Kyle, the, the kind words. Y'all do such a good job. I can't believe the audience hasn't grown faster. Kyle, thank you so much. You know what? I can't either. I can't believe we're not already on a syndicated network. Uh, but you know what? One day at a time, as long as we continue growing and that arrow is trending up, then I have nothing to complain about. Stoney says he is once again cooking while watching the Hot Read podcast. Love that. He also says, I see Boombaz in my sleep, and it's all because of the Hot Read podcast. Please tell them that. I will relay that message as soon as today's episode's over. All right, we've got a ton, and I mean a ton, to get into today regarding the the drama and the rumors revolving around the Titans. So let's not dilly-dally any further. Let's dive right in to the Vrabel, Carthon, Amy Adams, Strunk. Debacle is strong. It's really not a debacle, but it is a rumor mill at this point. Let's talk about what we've heard so far. I know that you've heard this on every show, so we're not going to spend the next 15 minutes going through the, the baseline facts. Um, if you don't know for some reason, like just scroll Twitter a little bit or go listen to any other show in the market this week, you'll get a, a pretty good idea. I want to talk about implications, but just some very basic groundwork things. In the past 24 hours, we've heard uh, an increase, and this is not just in the last 24, 40, well, actually at this point, it's more like 72 hours. It's been this week. We have heard additional rumors regarding the emotional state of the triumvirate that is in charge of the Titans, Amy Adams Strunk. Rand Carthon, Mike Vrabel, in particular, Mike Vrabel's uh, happiness with his situation as head coach and the control he may or may not have in that building. We've heard a lot about that. We've been hearing, this is not new, obviously, if you've been paying attention to the Titans, these rumors have been trickling out for a couple of months at this point. But it's really picked up speed here at the end of the season, as I think is natural. Um, it's, It's easy in the moment to get really caught up in the whoa why are all these rumors flying at the same time kind of thing this just from a ten thousand foot perspective this is kind of the nature of being Mm -hmm. a top borderline top five pick in the upcoming draft end of a wire to wire brutal season no joy to be had people are upset that and the rumors are going to fly and some a lot of things are going to change and so you're going to get a lot of these things so that's natural but um there have been things that we've heard that you can tell based on context clues are coming from the new England camp. And there are things that you can tell based on context clues that may really be coming from the Tennessee camp. So we're going to do our best to try to differentiate between which is which I will say in general, what you're, you have to think about intent purpose. When things get out in the NFL, 
an age-old adage you hear from anybody that knows what they're talking about when it comes to the league. Things only get out when somebody wants them out. There has to be intent behind the leaks. And so with New England, the intent is pretty obvious. Um, with Tennessee, there's more to dive into there. But just to run through some of the things that we've heard um, from a handful of nationally respected folks, Dan Graziano, Jeremy Fowler, uh, Jason LaConfora have all talked about this. Chad Forbes, who is an online NFL draft guy who, not to spend five minutes on a total segue, but I, I, folks have been talking to me this week a little bit like, what's the deal with this Chad Forbes guy? You see, he's got a big following online. Uh, he says some pretty strong things that are sometimes true. And you're like, how did he know that? Here's here. I'll, let me, I'll tell you in, in one minute what Chad Forbes is. He is somebody that is pretty well connected in the NFL and consistently overplays his hand. I have nothing personal against him. That's just the reality. A couple of things he said this week that really got kind of the pot stirring, I think, with this newest wave of rumors. Two tweets he sent off. He said, first, Vrabel is basically making it known to ownership. Pick between me and the GM you hired 11 months ago. Clearly lacked a shared vision. It was an arranged marriage by Amy Adams Strunk in coordination with the league office. Vrabel wants his guy, and he deserves it. In a following tweet, he said, fact is, Mike Vrabel has proven himself enough in the league to dictate the organizational structure. He'd get complete Sean Payton-like control from multiple organizations if available. Contract status is a bit cloudy, but a power play is underway. Mike wants out of Tennessee. Bold, strong statements. Things that go along with the rumors you've heard, but you haven't really heard it packaged like that. And that sent people in a bit into a bit of a tizzy. The, I'm not saying these are examples of him being wrong. And again, he says some things. He's he's eat in with agents. So like he occasionally, especially when it comes to the draft, gets things right that nobody else gets right. True. He also has a long laundry list of examples of things he has said online that are outlandish and ridiculous. I mean, I think three years ago, he had a very famous tweet about how he said he had it on um, like airtight authority that Odell Beckham Jr. was going to hold a press conference in the middle of the season to come out as the NFL's first active uh, gay athlete was out of nowhere and definitely didn't happen. Um, it's that kind of thing where he does that from time to time. Again, constantly overplaying his hand. If I had to guess just for clicks a little bit. So I'm not a huge fan of what Chad, Chad Forbes has to say, even though he is occasionally right. He is also occasionally super wrong. Okay. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, um, it adds to a growing list that has already been coming out from, from trusted media members in past months. You, we've heard from Charles Robinson, Jason Fitz, who was on Jared Stillman's show, um, who we, I'm not a huge fan of Stillman in general, uh, but I am a, a fan of Jason Fitz and I like when he's on the show and it's absolutely worth going and listening to Jared's show to hear the hit from Jason Fitz this week. He said a lot of things that I, I think generally he's very plugged in and a responsible guy. He's worth listening to chief amongst them talking about how a lot of people he talked to said Vrabel will have to learn to work with Carthon and about 50% of the sources he talked to thought Vrabel wanted out and 50% thought he didn't. We've heard from Greg Bedard with the new England media, Ben Volan, and then our buddy here at 440, Braden Gall has had some thoughts that are on good authority. I can tell you from speaking to him behind the scenes, some things that he has on good local in the Tennessee building authority. So that's the groundwork of folks we've heard from a lot to unpack there, right? The where there's smoke, there's fire general sentiment absolutely applies. I think we can no longer, because we on this show have 
we've addressed it a little bit, but we've not spent, you know, a show each week talking about the minutia of the, the, the newest rumor or, you know, this here or there, like, I would say it hasn't been this big since the Bedard incident. Yes. I think so. Yep. Like this is the first time again, it's kind of reared its ugly head. And whereas that was more of um, the first time with Bedard, that was more of it, the Patriots. Who is this guy? Who is this he guy? The from? Patriots were in kind of the worst low of yes. their low season yep, right yep. there. So that's where you start to see that stuff. And now as we're on the footsteps of Black Monday after week 18, it's, it's totally fair, like you said, to see these things pop up again. And I think now... Uh, more than ever, it's it's eye-opening to see that it's both kind of Boston and, and Northeast media and then also national guys who are who are kind of connected with these executives and agents and stuff also saying the same things and then also counter, counter contradicting each other. Well, and that's a double-edged sword here because I think it's important to make it clear when you hear things along the same lines from a, a host of different people who you trust, that's disconcerting and worth paying attention to at the same time when it's so similar mm. and in such, you know, close succession, I think you absolutely have to wonder, okay, are they all getting this from the same source? Is this guys stacking on each other's reports? You know, one guy says it, Oh, I've got a bigger, let me amplify that. I've heard the same thing. Let me amplify that. I've heard the same thing. It's been a lot of the exact same thing that we again have heard for months phrased differently so maybe it's coming from all sorts of places and there is a fire the house is on fire it's not just smoke but it's also perfectly possible that there is one chief source or two chief sources involved here and you got a little bit of a group thing situation and folks are all just reporting kind of the same thing it's the injury report coming out on friday and all 19 of us in the titans media pool who get the email with the injury reporter sending out the same thing like it's it's all the same thing i'm not saying it is but you have to wonder if that's the case um I need to clarify something here. The, the one inarguable fact in all of this is that there is, no, this is number one off the top before we dive into the details. There is no world in which firing Mike Vrabel is not a horrendous, disastrous decision for the Titans. That That's not, a, folks are like, do you think they're going to fire Vrabel? No, no, they're, they're absolutely not going to. And if they did, it would be insane. He's so clearly and obviously, whether, you are a Titans fan that are a, that is his biggest fan or his biggest detractor. He's so clearly and obviously in the grand scope of the league and with other teams has serious, serious value as a proven commodity head coach. That's so much value. And the Titans can't afford to leave that on the table. If they were to part ways with him, it would have to be a trade or nothing. That's the bottom line in this. And the person I think most likely to trade for him because they've made it in, in incredibly clear just how badly they want him is Robert Kraft. And you and I were talking about this last night. Like what, what does Kraft think bringing in Vrabel is going to do? And as best I can tell, I think Kraft's broken boomer rationale here is replace bill with younger bill. Give him the same amount of power. Have him draft a quarterback with our super high draft pick and get his guy, get our new Tom Brady or whatever he thinks is going to be and then run it back this ish one be six rings like profit like that that seems to be i mean it, what he thinks is going to happen because like it he just makes no sense to me I, I feel like even if you look at these two teams the patriots and the the titans objectively it's going to a team where yes you are you are in this grand scheme of things you 
were just inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame sure, in, they in, love, that, in yep. that circle. They yep. love you, but you don't really have a great connection with the players. Sure, you can go get, uh, maybe you'll be able to go get a Caleb Williams, Drake May, or even as he starts to climb up people's lists, Jaden Daniels. You could go get that guy. Well, and again, can you? Because again, you have to trade for the guy. Exactly. That's the right? whole, why um, would New England think trading we'll get, their we'll get into that asset? Yeah. It, it's it seems just counteractive to okay if you want the power all to yourself in, in New England, you're. You're going to have your assets just not be as great as they are here currently in Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where do we want to take it now? Uh, I, I would like to say where where do you stand on this right now? As to um, obviously the team that would want him um, is, is the Patriots, and he is someone um, who is very much being sought after. Like you said, if sure. there is enough uh, smoke here, obviously he's held in high regard from a bunch of different teams. So like, where are you right now? Obviously you've said right. that there's no scenario in which you would fire him, but like, what do I think is going to, what happen, do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I mean, I, I am at the point now where I still gun to my head. I'm expecting it to be Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon operating with all of the assets. This team has, this offseason. I, I think that in 2024, it's going to be those two guys most likely. But I am also at the point now where if it's not those two guys and it's a different coach situation, I wouldn't be surprised. Like that's that's where and somebody on Twitter was giving me a hard time. Like, wow, great take. Not a take. I'm just saying I don't like I don't I think it'd be irresponsible to I think anybody that's saying they know what's going to happen here is being irresponsible and trying to get your goat and trying to get your clicks. I, I don't. I don't, we don't know right now. We're going to find out a lot more in the coming weeks. Um, let's talk about Vrabel's presser comments because that was something where we had this whiplash of, oh, look at the Chad Forbes comments. Dan Graziano's getting in here. Jeremy Fowler's like, what, who, what's going on? Everybody's saying, and then Vrabel steps to the podium on Wednesday and he says a series of things that we're not going to play the video. You've probably heard at this point, but he says, quote, of course I want to be here. Talks about how he wants to be the one with Ran and and the other assistant GMs, Anthony Brinker and, and the group, building this roster in the offseason, spending that money, making these draft picks. He wants to be here, and he wants to be here as long as he can win, and it's just been a tough season. Um, a lot was made about that because, I, and first of all, I'm glad that it was asked. Terry McCormick asked that question, I believe, first, or started us on that topic, and it was it, was, it bared asking on that day. Um, I will say you can, I mean, definitely can rest assured now that that ends all the rumors because no coach has ever told a lie ever. And in, in the history of stepping up to the podium, um, but like, I, I'm not, do you remember the, the Josh Rosen thing with Cliff Kingsbury a couple years ago when they had Josh Rosen in the building in Arizona and they had the first overall pick and it was Kyler Murray's yes, on the board. Yes. And they asked him like the week of the draft, almost who's going to be your guy. And he goes, he says, quote, Josh is our guy. And the Cardinals put out a graphic, like a pretty Josh is our guy, Cliff Kingsbury. And then seven days later, yeah, I mean, Josh, he's, I think he's a dolphin and you're drafting. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could kind of see that happening right now with Ryan Poles with Justin Fields and them having the, Oh, absolutely. Like it he could should be lie. the same thing as he well. Sh he should, you should. And, that, and that's the, the point, right? As a coach, he can say those things, but do you think that that's always going to be the truth? No, just because of the guys that he has in his locker room and where he is right now in this season, they still have unfinished business, which is one more game left in, in, in the 2023 season. And he's not going to create any more distractions than he needs to 
uh, for his guys in the locker room. And I saw folks saying, well, it's important to know, folks that wanted to buy into this as confirmation that uh, Vrabel's staying, it's important to know, yes, he could have deflected, because a lot of folks were saying, well, usually he answers that kind of question that's very forward-thinking in the season by saying, I'm focused on Jacksonville, I'm focused on Week 18, we'll talk about that after. It, yes, he could have gone that route, but there's a, I think there's a great clip. Uh, our buddy Zach Lyons uh, put this on, at least I saw it from him first, on Twitter earlier this week. Go find it at FWordsPod on Twitter is his uh, account. It was a clip of Nick Saban when he was the head coach of the Dolphins, and he was being sought after, uh, courted by the, the Crimson Tide. He was doing an interview after he had made the move to Alabama, after he had bold-faced lied at the podium before saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to college. I'm, I'm the coach of the Dolphins. They asked him, like, why? Like, what's the rationale behind that? And the, the skinny of it is he's saying, I've got to do what's best for the team who I'm currently coaching. And putting to rest any distraction like that, any worry about me as the head coach, that's what's best for that team then. That's what he, you know, that's what I owe to the players then. At the time of being asked that question at the podium, he said, the answer genuinely was, I'm the coach of this team. I want to coach this team. And then suddenly the, you know, the answer became, okay, now I'm going to go to coach Alabama. Because with, with Vrabel at the podium on Wednesday, he may very well be telling the God's honest truth. He wants to stay in Tennessee. He wants to help rebuild this thing. But it eventually becomes in a week and a month, it eventually becomes true that that Robert Kraft and the Patriots or whoever it may be presents him and the Titans with an offer that changes the math that, you know, that doesn't exist yet. Then it exists suddenly. Okay. It was true then that I want to rebuild this thing. It now is true that I would rather take this better offer. That's something that can change and become even more for him and change that math. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, perfectly sums that up. And I think, Logan, I think we get to a, a point now where we've talked enough about the variable situation and at least the rumors right now. And at least Logan brings up a good point here, and we can talk about Rand Carthen a little bit, but most to least likely in your mind, ran out, variable out, both out, both stay. Least that, likely is both out. They're not both. They're yes. Just, they're not both being fired or traded. But more to that point, what do you think if you had to choose between Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel right now, which one goes and which one stays? Because, I mean, through various different sources of media this week, I think we both agree. Like, I'm just going to jump the gun here. I don't think Rand Carthen should be out, but it has been brought up so much. I this, don't think that's a week. thing. I think that's a objectively, objectively, there's no reason for you to fire Correct. Rand Carthen that is justified. Correct. There isn't. Um, to, to answer Logan's question specifically quickly, most to least like, or I'll go least to most likely. Least likely is they're both gone. Um, then, Ran then out. ran out, then Vrabel out, then both stay. I still think it is slightly, those last two, again, it's like 49%, 51%. Right now, Vrabel out versus both stay, but I do think it's both stay right now. You you know, the general question you asked of which would I choose between Rand and Carthen, because that's what it has sort of become now with fans online. Like, okay, if you had to pick one, are you team Rand and Vrabel by the wayside, or Vrabel needs to stay and Rand needs to do whatever it takes to keep him and mend that relationship? I, I do not want Mike Vrabel gone. I, some folks do, and some folks who I respect. I was talking to Zach Lyons last night, and he is like, I'm. He's he said he's out on Vrabel. Sorry if that's spoiling backyard information inside baseball, but like he did say that, and I think he's going to probably say that next time he's on the air. 
um, that if he had to choose, he'd be out on Vrabel. I, I'm not on that train right now. I just want him to coach. I want him to let the front office do their job and him do his job. And a lot has been made about Mike Vrabel. It's a power play. Chad Forbes saying there's a there's a power struggle at hand here. This is a power move. He wants the power. Does he want to become Bill Belichick? Does he want to become Bill O'Brien when he was with the Texans? The God King of the Tennessee Titans in charge of personnel, in charge of the coaching, uh, in charge of all the football operation decisions. I have a really hard time believing that, man. I don't I don't think we've actually had any actionable evidence pointing to that being the case. And I also just refuse to believe that Mike Rabel is dumb enough to think that that's a good idea. Uh, he's not a dumb man at all he's he's a smart guy that knows the league and surely i have to think he knows man this has never worked like no like no human being really has the bandwidth to excel as a coach and as a personnel guy it's not possible that's not to say that he couldn't be good on the personnel side i don't know but as long as he's busy coaching he can't do the other thing um and i don't think that that's what he wants maybe he wants a bigger say um, but the full control or, you know, an outsized amount of control, I, I'm not really buying that um, in general. Where, where are you on this? Yeah, personally, I think I'm with you. I would rather them both still be here. However, I've said this a couple times now in the past week and a half. I was thinking about buying my ticket. Have you purchased the ticket? I've purchased the ticket Dag on the, it, on the not the Mike Vrabel should be fired train or anything like that. Oh, okay, okay. I, could he? Could he not ah, be on this team? Maybe. As he, I as I said this entire time, that is the train I'm trying to get on. I'm not trying to take the express all the way out of town. I'm trying to get from point A to point B right now. <laughs> but the possibility could make sense on multiple different aspects. First of all, trading Vrabel. Obviously, that is if you were going to let him walk to a different team, you are going to get assets back in return. Now, I think that these have to be substantial aspects. And from what I think, I think maybe a third or something like that. Of course, a lot, I know a you lot. You mean in of, addition to a first? Uh, no, I think, I, I don't think he would get a first. You don't think he'd, you'd think he'd demand a single, I think you're crazy if you think he'd demand a single third. I, I think people are overblowing the, well, the Sean Payton deal is the four. Well, no. I, I Pump the brakes on that. Sean Payton has a ring, folks. Here's, and, and to be clear, why, yeah. Payton got a first and a second. That yes. was what that deal was. I, I think I'm asking for at least a third. I need more probably. But if it doesn't involve that because of where this team is. You need to current, pick as high as a, no lower than a third yes. as the as the premier portion um, of the okay. and I think because of where this team currently um kind of sits right now on day two with just having no capital mm -hmm. on that day two, I think that's right. where you'd want to land. But I want to talk about that real quick because as Logan says, there was no way Logan he wouldn't get a one. That he wouldn't. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Logan. I mean, maybe I'm just well, missing this. I so I think that maybe a one is like an a, a one and a four. I, again, I don't think that he'd get the full Sean Payton first and a second. But I, I think it would think involve so a first and a later pick, or and, maybe like a pair of twos and here's a pair why. of threes. Um, I I did some looking er, research earlier today on coaching on trades. just coaching trades, sure. and and the biggest ones are one, um, the the Sean Payton one. The only yep. two to ever demand a first is one, the Sean Payton one. Is that one? He's Gruden? a guy. The other one was Gruden. Okay. First one, Sean Payton, a Super Bowl caliber winning guy. Um, been doing it for has been doing it for a decades. long, long time. Yep. And the other one was John Gruden, who was the hottest coach in the world at that point. He had taken the Raiders to two straight playoff um, appearances, right. and then also had a, had a record of twenty games over five hundred with that Raiders team. And eventually, when he brought when he went to 
the the Buccaneers the next year or two. They want to ring. They want to ring. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't see right now that Vrabel. Is, oh, oh, that's it. That's the only two that the others have, have demanded been, a first. Yes, Bill Belichick has has done that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that's that's. I, I was listening at this earlier in the week too. There's there's been four. Liking my mind, who went from yeah, Indianapolis yeah. to the Colts or something like that, or Indian- sorry, Indianapolis to the Chiefs. Yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. one there. There have been a couple, but they they have not brought in. Um, that big of a hole. That so, bring of a hole. So I, because I, you're kind of changing my mind a little bit here. I, I think folks, I was already going to say folks maybe are overvaluing what Vrabel would get. Maybe they're really overvaluing what Vrabel would get based on history. Again, we, it all depends on what the, because obviously all, the Patriots could reset history. What, what, like, do, we, what, what do we say when we get very, to, very, very much wanting Vrabel? What, what do we say when we get to trade draft season? Is yes. all it takes is one team yep. willing to give you that. All it takes is one team willing. To, all it takes is the Titans willing to give you AJ Brown for a single first and a third. Like, sorry, that, that's the first one that came exactly, to mind. Right, like, yeah. all it takes is one. So you're right that, that maybe his market is diminished, but it really does only take one team. Can we move on? We've been at this for about a half hour, and we haven't mentioned Amy Adams Strunk yet. Sure. I have a lot to say on Amy Adams Strunk, who in this for the, I think, man, if you had a bingo card of Easton says Zach Lyons' name on his own show like four times, then congrats. I think this is the fourth time I mentioned him. But the reason I keep mentioning him is because him and I had a 30-minute conversation last night uh, via text that was a really great conversation. And he changed my mind on at least one thing that we're going about to talk about. But it really just, it helped me organize my thoughts on this. And I wasn't sure how I was going to come into the show and talk about these things. Um, so shout out Zach. I appreciate you and looking forward to what he has to say on this on the 440 Podcast Network on Monday's show on a football show. So check that out. Um, Amy Adams Strunk is a good owner. However, I believe she is not that great when it comes to football operations. And I think it's starting to really rear its ugly head a little bit. I know our buddies Stoney Keeley and uh, Braden Gall talked about this a little bit on a football show today. We're going to expand a little bit on what they were talking about. The The first question I want to talk about is going back to the hiring of Rand Carthon. Did the league put any pressure on her to make that hire? That's been talked about quite a bit in these rumors in general um, about how it's, you know, it's an arranged marriage between Rand and Carthon. The league was puppeteering this match and Vrabel didn't have nearly as much a say in it and that's why they aren't getting along so well I've had folks DMing me about this like first of all did the league do that second of all if they were doing that why in the world would Amy or any owner go along with it what's the incentive right the incentive is the new stadium and this is something that I hand up I didn't actually know this I don't know how I didn't know this this had slipped my mind at some point or I had missed it entirely the the Strunk family and the, the ownership group of the Titans is putting up the majority of the money for the new stadium. But the NFL also chips in on that. I, I don't know how I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Zach helped me out on that last night. Um, how much they do or don't chip in <laughs> is up to them. And so when they come knocking, when you have a GM opening and they're like, hey, here's a list of guys we think you should check out. You check them out. Um, and, and when they say, we really think you should hire this guy. And oh, hey, by the way, just recently, your organization was mentioned in a lawsuit involving the Rooney rule. And here's an African-American man in Rancarthon who is very qualified. We don't have a ton of minority folks in front office positions in this league. And we would like to change that. And we think that you should really, really consider him. 
you really, really consider him when that happens. And so that again, we've we've said this since the day Ram was hired. This is not to say that he was not qualified or is not qualified. I think Amy Adams made a very good decision in hiring Rand Carthon. Has nothing to do with whether he's white, black, or purple. I think he's very good at his job. He knows ball and he knows how to evaluate players. I have been impressed with the job that he has done so far. And I was impressed when he was hired with his track record. But um, that's one thing that plays into a bigger topic of Amy Adams' process maybe not being so good while she's been getting good results. Process versus results. That's where I'm going to build up to here. But some more minute details to dive into. This has been mentioned a lot. It's true. You look on TennesseeTitans.com. You look at the folks employed by the Titans. Look at the folks that are in her inner circle of operations, the, you know, the, the C-suite guys. She doesn't have football operations guys in her inner circle. Her second in command is Brooke Nihill, very good businessman. If you Who's Brooke Nihill? He's the guy that has facial hair that's like a circle around his mouth and you can't see his mouth. It's very it's distinct. You know who I'm talking about. Um, very good businessman. Doesn't have a background in football ops. None of the folks in the C-suite do. And that lends itself to Amy, who herself has been around football her entire life, growing up with her dad, owning the team. She's been around it, but she's not been in the football in particular. She's great with the front-facing stuff, the promotions, the new stadium, the branding, the general direction of the business. All of that, she's very good at. And she's good at the thing that I think most owners are kind of shaky on. And it's the number, for my money, the number one thing that you want in an owner Somebody that's going to let you do your job, going to back off, not going full David Tepper. You got to draft my boy, Bryce Young, not going full. Hey, my name is Jerry Jones and I'm going to run everything because I run the team and I love to be in front of the camera and make these decisions. Like those owners, typically the meddling owners doesn't work out well for you. I love owners that generally operate like Adam Strunk does. I'm going to hire my guys. I'm going to say, go do your thing and let me know how it goes. Just give me updates. Otherwise, it's up to you. That's great. Um, but where I've shifted my thinking on Amy Adams Trunk is this. She's been getting some good results with her big decisions she's made lately, but it's been bad process. And this is how Zach kind of changed my mind a little bit. Last night, we were talking about the firing of John Robinson. And I said, I, I think she's done a good job. For example, the firing of John Robinson. She did that earlier than those of us in the media were like, we were not calling for it. I don't think fans were calling for it. People were starting to sour on like, is John really the guy? But no one was like, fire him now. And in the middle of November, she said, you're out. I thought that in hindsight, that was the right time. I, I, I liked the timing of that. Got to get ahead on the search. Got to kind of shuffle some things and be prepared for the draft season as best you can for a new guy. All these things. Zach's retort was, I, he said, I think it was kind of a reactionary thing. I think it was got embarrassed in Philadelphia, got embarrassed by the AJ Brown trade that following week was when he got fired. And that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was a reactionary decision. I said, well, I don't care what, how it was thought out, whether it was reactionary or not. The result and it's important, but if, if you, if you got a good result via bad process, the, the root is still rotten, right? Another example would be hiring ran hiring ran. I think, I'm pretty sure you think good result, good choice. He was the best guy, in my opinion, from the pool of final candidates. I think he was a good hire. You can certainly argue, however, that the process may not have been very great, as evidenced by the fact that she may have been pushed into it by the league. 
she didn't involve Mike Vrabel until the final round of the candidates being interviewed. Just the last three guys. She didn't involve him until then. There's some weird things there where it's like, I don't know if that process was very good. You got the right result, but you kind of backed into it. Maybe you lucked into it. You got there through the back door, but that's not super great in terms of indicating future results. Like bad process in general eventually is going to reap bad results. Um, so I, that leaves us with one question, right? Like what does, what does good process look like on the current mess? Um, I think perhaps the argument is in general to wrap up what I all, what all of what I just said with a bow, she's not a great owner specifically when it comes to navigating uncertainty and turmoil with football leadership, with football operations, to be fair to her, I wonder how many owners would be or are um, I'd wager not many of them. She's great at most of the things I mentioned, right? The front facing stuff, staying out of things, but ironically in this instance, and I found this hilarious when I came to this conclusion yesterday, you always hear about well, hands off owners, the best owner. You don't want a meddling owner. Ironically in this instance, her throw Mike and Rand in a room together and tell them boys, figure it out. That tactic has now backfired her in one of the only instances of a hands off owner, getting themselves in trouble by being hands off. How often do you encounter that in the NFL? I mean, isn't that crazy? Yes. Yeah, no, but it, it's, it's crazy to think. And she's also very new in the grand scheme of being an owner. Um, some other things, just some notes on this that I had written down in her defense. She's not like, she's not super new. She's not had a ton of time to learn and not be in this mess in the first place. And that's because her, former general manager was aggressively bad at his job. If he was not aggressively terrible in those final years, she wouldn't be dealing with this awkward situation of trying to pair a new GM with an established coach and an established coach in particular, who's the type to want to accumulate control. That's a really unique storm in the NFL um, that she's handling. I think not that great. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's so hard I think to to continue to be, and that was a lot. Did that did that makes sense. I think that it, I think it makes okay. sense, but to me personally, you have to wonder like when, because it, it was at the beginning of the season, it was a lot of like the it was huge on collaboration. It's just very it's very interesting oh, yeah. to see how fast that has deteriorated, and it's like is that all on Amy Adams? Like is mm -hmm. is that on her? I, I don't. I wouldn't think so. I think no. I don't think it and that's, is, and that's where I'm getting. The boys the aren't getting I, along. They're but not she getting has along. to be able to step in and do something. So that that's where this conversation is ultimately taking itself, right? Yes. Like what what is she going to do, and does that line up with what she should do? Yes, and in in that aspect, I think it's really hard because I think a good analogy of this right now and why it's so so hard is because Amy Adams Trunk essentially said, "Okay, Mike and Ran." I'm sending you to the, she's, she's leaving the casino, right? And she said, okay, Mike and Rand, I'm down $500 at the casino right now. I need you guys to make my money back and make it back fast. And she walks out of the casino and hands Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthen two $25 chips <laughs> in, in that, in those right, chips right, being right. this last season and the assets they had. Right, right. Um, Good luck. And so Figured out. of course it's going to bring high tensions because sure. you bring a guy who has historically been so good as a coach with some really good players in a, in a really good team. Um, and you put this new guy in here who 
is going to have a lot of success, I think, in the future, starting with this year's draft, as I think it's one of the deeper, if not the deepest drafts that we've seen in the last five years. Like, if they can just get through this this season, I think things would be a lot better going forward. I just, folks in the comments, thank you for correct. I just made a very funny error. I described Burke Nihil as Steve Underwood, the Titans' former president. The reason why Steve Underwood, the unmistakable facial, facial hair guy, he was in the press box two weeks ago saying, I guess he was just saying, hey, because he doesn't work for the Titans anymore. Um, and that picture was imprinted on my mind, and I got the two Mexicans. They're totally right. That's not the facial hair guy. Way less descriptive of a human being. You've I'm seen now, him. You've seen I'm him now picturing the right though. person. Yeah. Listen, we don't talk to those guys ever. I'm sorry. Like, my bad. Um, but totally, yes. Um, okay, so let, let's let's finish this, and we'll talk a little bit about the Jags and the Titans in a minute. Let's finish this on what she will do versus what she should do. I, I am one of the few things I'm confident in in this entire conversation. I I don't think she is going to initiate anything in terms of movement. Now, she should initiate a sit-down with her fellas and, and have a marriage counseling session that she moderates as soon as the season. Sometime next week, season's over. Boys, let's sit down. Let's chat. Let's let's hash this out. Let's figure it out. But in terms of moving folks, like, who is she going to try to look for a trip? No, she's not. No, she is not. Um, I think she's ultimately hoping that she can just kind of say y'all figured out off season time woohoo good luck and they just kind of work it out themselves that's i i mean that'd be ideal for her if she handles things poorly or perceived to be handled poorly it's going to be because mike forces her hand which is on the table at this point because we've heard folks say he may want to be out folks who i trust if that's the case he can't because he can't actually force his way out he's under con like he let me reiterate he can't force his way out to somewhere else in the NFL. He's under contract with this team. Um, despite what you heard mistakenly from, from folks earlier this week on, in twi on Twitter that his contract is up this season. No, it's not. It, we don't know when it's up, but it's not up this season. I think it's two more years, but I'm not yes, certain. Um, okay, so he's under contract. If he wanted to go coach peewee football or college football, he could do that um, and just break his contract and eat the, the buyout or whatever. He... he he can't go coach somewhere else in the NFL on his own volition. He can sort of force his way out by saying, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. You better trade me or else you don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to, it's not going to be pretty. Things are going to be rough. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but he certainly could. And if she does make a rash, you know, next Tuesday, we're talking about there's a trade that already like it, it happened that quickly. That's going to be why a hundred percent. That's going to be why it's not going to be because the Titans want to want to trade him. I know that they don't want to trade him. But if he wants to be traded, they may be forced in that way. Um, in general, I can't help but wonder, JT, if things had gone differently this season, if we'd be having this conversation at all. And we started this entire thing talking about how this is natural for teams in this position with a joyless season, with a lot of things to figure out in the offseason, for there to be some turmoil, for there to be rumors, for folks to be unhappy and potentially want out. Winning fixes everything, man. Winning, like folks have been asking me, how does this get? I don't even, they're like, maybe you keep him this season, maybe, but still, it seems like this is a broken relationship. How do you fix it? I don't see how you fix it. I say you fix it. You, you, you turn that trending arrow from straight down to straight up, you start winning, and everything can be cured in the NFL and in professional sports in general by winning. Now, long term, maybe the relationship between Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel, which I think at this point is being a little bit overplayed. Um, as to how much they don't like each other. I think that they like each other just fine. I think they just butt heads a little bit and need to figure out how to work with one another. 
long-term, maybe that's not repairable. Like long, long-term. Like maybe there's no fixing it. And the next time things start trending down, it actually implodes. But if they survive this offseason, and really like I would say the next month or two, because it's not going to be one of those things where, you know, they've spent $50 million on a couple big free agents and we're a month from the draft and suddenly Mike Vrabel's traded. Like, I don't, I think it's going to be pretty soon in the process. Or not at all. Or not, like, maybe not. But do you see a world in which it's March, well, maybe where it's May, June, July, and Mike Vrabel's traded after they've done all these things to this team? Certainly would bring back the idea that the the ownership and Amy Adam Strunk is Doesn't practicing it. bad process. Right. Think, yes. In, yes. In it would. It, it would be. It um, would be. If, if they want to do correct process, it would have to be earlier earlier in the off season or not at all. In yeah. my opinion. But I'll I'll finish all my ranting with with this that if they survive this off season and they start steering the ship, it starts heading in the right direction again, which it's not been doing for like two full calendar years at this point. I think it'll be fine. And like I said at the at the top, my final judgment on it as of today, Thursday, January fourth. I think it's going to be both of these guys next year. I think they're going to figure it out. But you have to consider all possibilities at this point because things have gotten a little bit messy. Any more thoughts on that before we move on to the Jags Titans? I think F- we can final move on. call. We can move on. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the Jaguars and Titans who are playing a football game this Indeed weekend. They are. You uh you got some stats for us that I, I spent so much time preparing my thoughts on on all of that. Um I was like, hey, can you help me out? What what were the things that you found interesting about this game statistically? Yeah, and we we can talk about this Titans and Jags game and maybe ending the the season on a better note with an actual W in the win column finally. Well, we know the team certainly game. wants to. Yes. We we buried maybe well not the biggest, but the second biggest lead of the week, the uh the Mike Vrabel rant. Poor Gentry Estes man, he's getting so many. I'm going to, I'm not seeing anybody stand up for Gentry. Gentry doesn't deserve some of the flack he's been getting because he got caught in the Vrabel viral video crosshairs. Um, yes. I saw on Pat McAfee today, and they don't know Gentry Estes. He's a good guy who I know, um, a good and a, and a good writer. He asked a question that was, I mean, I probably wouldn't have asked it kind of bland, but certainly not crazy. And Vrabel just kind of, you know, it, it touched a nerve. And that, that happens, baby. Sometimes that happens and you get caught. And I'm sure Gentry knows that. But I, I'm standing up for Gentry a little bit. Uh, but that that Vrabel quote, that rant about winning effing sucks. Or losing. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you want to win. Winning is awesome. <laughs> losing effing sucks and explained all the reasons why they want to win, which all tied back to because losing sucks. Um, if that doesn't convince you that this team's not laying down for this final game, I don't think you're going to be convinced. Yes. And so let's talk about a couple of keys to the game through some stats that have kind of had these teams, the trends of the past couple of weeks for these teams. And I think the first one is to not let the Jags get off to a hot start and kind of stifle them in the offensive side of the ball here. The Titans defense has allowed scores on 29% of opponent drives in the first half since week 14. It's tied best or 10th best in the NFL right now. So mm. they are, are for, for what it's worth, this Titans defense is like we said, Ben don't break. They are not allowing them to score on a lot of drives this season. However, the Jaguars have scored on 16% of their drives in the first half since week 13, the second worst in the NFL. So um, it might be imperative of this, of this Titans team to get out to a hot start, put some points up on the board and kind of try to build a little bit of a lead. Well, they've actually managed to do that a couple of times this year. The problem is they, they have a nice drive or two, and then they just take the rest of the game off. They're going to have to do a little yes. bit of both. 
And, and that brings me to my second point where the Titans must score in this game. The Jaguars are eight and one when Breaking. allowing. You must score to win football <laughs> uh, games. Thank you, they, JT. They, the Jaguars are eight and one when allowing less than 22 points this season. It's okay. eighth best in the NFL. And the Titans are currently averaging 17.3 points per game this mm. season. Fifth worst in the NFL. That doesn't seem to align very well. No, it does not. So whether it is Ryan Tannehill or Will Levis, um, either one, they're going to have to throw the ball early and often get Derrick Henry and whatever they can out of this run game going and put some points up on the board. Well, if a bonus stat from Logan in the comments since the Green Bay game on Thursday night over a year ago now, the Titans have scored on 4% of their drives. Not I don't know if that's touchdowns. I'm assuming that's just scored in general, um, but that's not many. Yes, that's not many drives. Uh, that's not many drives. And then finally, uh, the Titans need to stuff the run and force it over the top because the Titans have allowed 3.9 yards per carry to running backs this season, which is tied for fourth best in the NFL. And the Jaguars are averaging 3.5 yards per carry this season, which is second tied second worst in the NFL. I totally thought it was yeah. made up. I wanted- see. Here's the thing: comedy, the best jokes are rooted in truth. And that's funny that Logan made it up, he says in the comment. It's funny because he might accidentally be true. Now I'm going to, after the show, go look at what the actual number is. 4% would be like 10 times. Of all their drives. I don't know, man. There have been some games where they're they're, they're running like 12 drives and score once. Okay, maybe. Uh, uh, Maybe not 4%, but I bet you it's single digits. I bet you it's single. I'm going to go look. Logan, I hate you. Um, Once again, reason number 10,000 why I hope one day this service we use allows us to kick out specific people from the chat and we can block Logan. Um, let's derailing us entirely. Let's talk about the rooting guy for the Titans in week 18. Our buddy, Justin Graver over at Titans film room on Twitter and uh, the music city audible podcast here on the lovely Four Forty podcast network put together has been putting together these rooting guides each week. This is the simplest one yet so far folks. And we talked a little bit about it earlier in the week, I think, but for the Titans to get their best possible pick, which is the fourth pick, they currently sit at seventh. Um, they can go as low as eight, as high as fourth. That's the window they're working within here in this final week. As long as they lose to Jacksonville, which some of you will be rooting for, I'm sure, they will be guaranteed seventh or higher. If they win, they'll be eighth, um, barring some serious help from other teams. There are three other games besides the Titans-Jaguars game that impact their positioning. Arizona and Seattle, you need Arizona to win that game to bump up the rankings. Giants and Eagles, you need the Giants to win that game to bump up the list. And Chargers, Chiefs, you need the Chargers to win that game to bump up the list. As long as the Titans lose, they will move up one spot for each of those wins between Arizona, the Giants, and the Chargers. Very simple. However, there are some strength of schedule considerations, some tiebreakers with the following results you should be looking for because there is a way mathematically that the Titans can win and still get ahead of the uh, Chargers. the Chargers. So Jacksonville over Tennessee is important. Kansas City over the Chargers is important. This is for, I know it's contradictory. This is important for strength of schedule. Um, Buffalo over Miami, Dallas over Washington, Baltimore over Pittsburgh, and Arizona over Seattle. So the Titans, if they win, are probably eighth. They make a jump back to seventh. Um, if they lose... They move up for each one of those losses. But even if they lose and the Chargers also lose, I believe there is a strength of schedule way for them to move up, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So keep it simple here. You're open for a loss by the Titans, the Seahawks, the Eagles, and Kansas City. And later on in the news, I know JT's going to tell us a little bit about the uh, the odds of some of those games going the right way. You'd be surprised with some of those matchups based on folks that may or may not be 
sitting out. Um, actually, I've got it right here. I mean, I'll just go ahead and read it if, if we're, while we're on it. Um, the Chiefs earlier this week announced that they're going to be resting their players in week 18 because they've locked up the three seed. They have nothing to play for. So you got East, my namesake, who's not very good at football, but we're counting on him this week. Easton stick in the Chargers at home. They are actually favored by three and a half points, I believe, in this game. That'd be great news. I know we've also got some things in the best bet gun later. We're going to talk about how the Eagles may also be incentivized to not play super hard against the Giants. I don't know. What was that third game? Uh, shoot. Uh, oh, uh, Cardinals Seahawks. Both of those teams are going to be playing hard. You just got to hope that the Seahawks lay an egg. We've seen them not play well the last two weeks. They almost lost to the Titans and they did lose to the Steelers. It's possible. So I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that they get fourth. Based on those four games, just off the top of your head, JT, right now, let's just for the fun of it, what's your guess as to where they end up at the end of the day, Sunday in the draft order? They're currently at seventh. I want to say sixth. Sixth? Yes. I'm going to, maybe I'll, maybe this is the optimist in me. I'm going to say they end up fifth. I'm going to say they get two of those three results and they lose to Jacksonville, but we will see. We will see. And we've got some implications uh, with those games in the best bet gauntlet coming up. We did not forget the best bet gauntlet. Of course, we're going to talk about that before we get out of here, but we also have the news with producer JT to get to. Before we do any of that, real quick, let me tell you, like I promised about Boombaugh's Crap Pizza and Tap House. Three locations here in the Middle Tennessee area. They've got East Nashville, Murfreesboro, and here our home location in Spring Hill. Fantastic place to go and watch sports. Fantastic place to go and grab a bite if you don't even care about sports. I, my mom and a buddy came out here for one of our shows a couple weeks ago. She didn't give a rip about sports. But she had a great time because she loved what they had to eat and drink. You will love it no matter what your interest is, whether it's sports or food, in our, or in our case, both. And they have awesome, awesome, awesome local and domestic options on tap, as well as a phenomenal menu of pizza, multiple-time award winners with their craft pizza making. You'll come and you'll have a pizza that you have never tried before, but you will love. We know the brisket pizza here is one of our favorites. My favorite is the green chili chicken pizza. As far as I'm aware, I don't think there's a bad pizza on. We've not. We're yet to hear or personally try of like, eh, don't really touch. No, it's all of them. They're all pretty good. So come check it out here at Boomba's Crap Pizza and Tap House, our wonderful sponsors. We love Boomba's. Okay, JT, we've got some news for us, starting as always on a Thursday with the injury report. Who's in, who's out? What do we got? Yeah, let's talk about the guys who did not practice uh, today once again for the second day in a row. First of all, Colton Dowell, who goes on IR with that ACL injury. Man, and that sucks. Really unfortunate. I think ACL I think, and MCL, yeah, I think he tore both. He was... Either way, he was the Titans' best uh, special teams player for my money's worth this season. <laughs> Low bar. So really, really tough break Bro, for him. Non-kicker, non-kicker, non-kicker. I yeah, guess yeah, that yeah. is true. That is a big. That is a big caveat there. Joining him as well, not practicing today. Cornerback Anthony Kendall, along with TK McClendon, um, another two guys who did not practice today. Both Daniel Brunskill and Jalen Duncan, who Daniel Brunskill once. Did win the award for the... I know, I know. You and I were talking about this like a month ago. Yes. And he was like our third dark horse option. I was surprised that he won, but not to say that he did not deserve it. Can confirm from the time that I've spent in the Titans locker room. I mean, I've not spent as much as others, but I've, I've been in there uh, plenty of times this season. Good guy. Great guy. You can tell. I, I'll be shocked if he's not a coach or a GM one day. He's very well spoken, very thought out, very, very good to talk to when you need a quote. Good job, Daniel Brunsky. I, I hope that he's a, a, an element for this team next year because um, I think he's good enough, and I personally selfishly like to talk to him in the locker room. And then the biggest injury news here for the Titans this week, Will Levis was uh, elevated to limited in practice uh, today. 
Obviously, we can't tell until tomorrow with the injury report, but if you had to guess right now, which quarterback would you see out there for the Titans? I think it's going to be Ryan Tannehill. Um, our buddy, I don't know if you saw this, Nick Suss, our, our friend over at Tennessean, he's not a huge Twitter guy. He occasionally posts, and when he does, my ears perk up because usually it's something funny or witty. Um, he posted a picture, a couple pictures today from practice, and it was just, I think it was titled Will Levis Feet Picks. Um, it was pictures of his feet. If I had to describe them in a word, the word I would use is tape. Lots and lots of tape, whole rolls of tape on those bad boys. Um, apparently, he, from folks that were there, I, I know our buddy Sam Phelan and Paul Kaharski both said this. It, it He wasn't moving super great, but he was out there in a limited fashion. It'll be telling tomorrow. I know he wants to play, and I know this team wants to win. But part of me wonders, even if he could gut it out and go, you know, do you, do you say, let's let's pack it in this season, right? Like, Ryan Tannehill has sent him out there, like, one last ride for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, potentially. We don't know, but potentially. Um, that's, I think that that makes too much sense. Wouldn't shock me if it's, I mean, what do you think? Are you thinking there's any chance Levis plays? I mean, there's always an outside chance, but I think I'm with you. Obviously, you, you've tried it once, right? You got him back you healthy. You saw how that went. And you saw how that went. He goes down with injury <laughs> once again. So yeah. um, I think you let Ryan A Tannehill. new injury, too. Yeah. Well, he, he had one. Um, He's, did you hear at the podium this week him talking about how, you know what sucks? having an injury on both feet because you don't know how to limp. You don't know which side to favor. It's just the last thing we need is a third Will Levis limb to be injured, like exactly. a shoulder injury. We can't have um, it. Can't have I it. think at this point, it's just not worth it. Let's give Ryan Tannehill one last hurrah here at Nissan Stadium. I hope um, if, if he plays, first of all, malpractice if the Titans don't announce the offense coming out of the, the tunnel. Second, I really hope fans give him, because he's he is easily, no question, 1,000% the second-best quarterback in the Titans, Titans non-Oilers era. Uh, it's Steve McNair, and it's him. The, the team in his primary, primary three or four years with the team, or primary four years with the team, uh, when he was healthy, he was 30 and 13, did a lot of winning with Ryan Tannehill, played a lot of really fantastic football with Ryan Tannehill, averaged 28, 29, 30 points per game for season-long stretches with Ryan Tannehill. Give him a Big standing ovation if you're in that stadium and he gets to run out and they announce his name one last time as a Titan because this will be the last time he's in Titans 2-Tone Blue. I really hope that he gets the the warm welcome he deserves on the way out. And let's talk about the biggest uh, note here on the Jacksonville Jaguars injury report. Trevor Lawrence, who practiced limited today, uh, that that puts two limited practices back-to-back -back here. And from James Palmer, he heard today that uh, Lawrence was officially limited in practice, but he was told he looked pretty good throwing the ball today, but the Jaguars will continue to be smart with what's best for Trevor. Um, as they do need to win this week, uh, to, to. to get that final, uh, win to win the division as well. Well, if they win, the they win the division. Seed. If they lose, there's no losing in for them as far as I'm aware. I think, I think that. I believe, is there one? I believe there is a way. Where if, they could be maybe a low wild card. If, if the Steelers end up losing. Okay, Jacksonville so, could sneak in. Okay, but the point is the odds are low. They're pretty much in a win and in situation. Mm -hmm. If they lose, they have a high risk of missing the playoffs entirely, and that's you know what the Titans are hoping to do for them. Yeah, let's move on now to talking about uh, Derrick Henry here, which it is his 30th birthday today, so happy birthday, happy birthday to King. him. Um, and you brought up an interesting thread earlier today about just looking at as this may be the last game for Derrick Henry, talking about as, a titan. His, as, as a his titan. He's going to keep titan, playing football, yes. folks. Um, but looking back at his career so far and the case for him to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and uh, I'll run this down really quick because I know we're kind of short on time. 
I just ran through uh, pro football reference has a great tool called the hall of fame monitor where you can go on at each position. It lists the current hall of famers and potential future hall of famers gives a bunch of different numbers for you to compare. But in particular, it gives you the average numbers, the average statistics for current hall of famers. So basically the, the average benchmark of current hall of famers, the thing you're trying to get to, to be considered. And with Derrick Henry, I basically took all those numbers and compared Derrick's current numbers to the average Hall of Fame running back numbers. Um, so here they are. All pro first ballots. The average Hall of Famer has three. Derrick has one. Pro Bowl nods. The average Hall of Famer has six. Derrick has four. Uh, years starting as the primary back on their team. The average Hall of Famer has 10. Derrick now has five. Games started total. Average Hall of Famer has 137. Derrick has 87. Total attempts, the average Hall of Famer has 2,500 and change. Derek has just over 2,000. Yards, average Hall of Famer has uh, nine yards shy of 11,000 total yards uh, rushing. Derek has 9,350, essentially. I'm rounding there. And then total touchdowns, the average Hall of Famer has 86. Derek has 89. So there's a lot more that goes into being a Hall of Famer than raw statistics, but I find these interesting. Some of them, I think, are a reflection of different eras of football. You know, years as a primary starter, for example, Derek's not going to get close to 10. He's at five right now. Like nobody does that anymore. Nobody is their primary starter for a whole decade. That's just not the way that football teams operate anymore. That's no fault of the back. Um, the Pro Bowl certainly is not what it used to be. It doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. As for all pros, that may get him. I'll be interested to see how much that may hurt him. I can remember at least one season in the past in which Derek, I felt, was really snubbed for the all pro first ballot. He does have two second pro all, uh, all second second team all pro um, nods, which for what it's worth is important. Um, the average Hall of Famer has played fifty more games than he has so far. I'd be surprised if Derek. That's three more years essentially. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play another three ish years. And if he runs at, at in terms of total yards and carries, if he runs at half the efficiency he has so far in his career, so literally half the guy he was the past five years. For the next 550 carries, which is what he's shy of the average number of total carries for a, a Hall of Famer, he would get north of 10,600 career yards in roughly 2,500 total attempts, which would be just shy of on par with that Hall of Fame status. So I, th I've we've made this case on the show before. I think it's actually the the non pure statistical things, uh, the more advanced numbers, the more narrative driven. You know, how how many years were you at the top of your position? How can you write this story of the NFL without this guy? It's those things that I think solidify his case as a Hall of Famer, but those numbers are interesting to me. Finally, let's talk about uh let's talk about the offensive line one more time this season. Cause I'm so I glad, feel we're so gonna be talking about them on Sunday, but we can call it the last time. The last time previewing this offensive yeah, yeah, line, yeah. I guess. Let's talk about two stats here, which just these are good. Keep them in your brain for next year. Uh, these these are two good ones to Locking. see. Um, how this, and they go hand in hand. They do go right? hand in hand. Okay. How this team has fared this year and what to be looking for next year and seeing if they are able to improve right now. Currently, uh, in terms of teams and how often NFL offenses leave their offensive tackles on islands, so leave them out to defend for themselves. Do not give them any other help. The Titans currently have the second worst uh, or the second least uh, percentage of leaving them on an island just over 50%, almost tied with the Minnesota Vikings. Which is the, a weird way that this chart is framing it. In other words, they are the, there's only one other team in the league that helps their offensive tackles As more. Much. Yes. Right, right, right. The Titans are at the top of the list of helping tackles yes. on every snap. However, 
However, when when you look at the uh, tackle tandem pressure rate, so well, these they're are, helping them a lot. So surely it's successful, right? They are not at all. Twenty five percent of the time, their pressure rate is twenty five percent. Where does that come in in the league? It's dead last. Oh, is that where the next closest guy is twenty one percent? Yes. So almost a full four percent worse. Yes. It, the fact that those really things tough. can coexist mm -hmm. is it's like it's there aren't any more. I'm running out of words. It's genuinely impressive. That may never be accomplished again. I'm not, I'm pretty confident it's never happened in the modern NFL. I don't think it'll happen again. It's amazing. Yes, I agree. And that's going to do it for our news today. I think we should get to the best bet gauntlet now. Let's get to the best bet gauntlet. Um, Records-wise, heading into our final, not we're, we're going to bet to the playoffs. And last year, we were very profitable in the playoffs. So I'm looking, I'm looking at my chops. Probably going to change the format a little bit. I haven't even talked to you about this. But last year, we only did three picks a piece on the actual like each week based on our success with props in the past, I maybe looking, at I'm going to lobby well. to maybe just go keep going with the five and five and just throw some props in there. I think we can do it. I mean, what do you think? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll, okay, talk we'll, about do, it. we'll discuss it. Uh, we'll discuss it. A little pillow talk tonight before bed. Um, that being said, this is our final week of the competition. And if you look at where things are, uh, I'm going to need a little miracle yeah. here at the end. The bell. I have not heard a bell. There has been no bell rung. However, I am sitting on the year at 52, 39 and four JT year at 57, 34 and three showed you were human last week. It was your, I can't believe this. It was your first one in four or worse week of the year at week 17. That's really impressive. I think I've done that two or three times this year so far, even with a winning record, you finally had a tough week, had some things bounce the wrong way. And I yet actually, you already I actually went two and three last week. I had the Raiders and the Packers last week. Oh, did you go two and three? I did. Oh, so I haven't gone one and four Well, or low. Okay. So, well, and you just let sorry. me say all that before you. I, I had to think. You really my, wanted to. Okay. I all had right, to think right. in my brain. I so promise. that reflected in this record. Yes. Okay. Okay. So just kidding. He went two and three. So what, even even better. You're you're so. I wish you'd done one and four. Give me a little bit of a cushion. The point being, you're fifty seven, thirty four, and three on the year. Um, as a show, which is the most important thing, we're one hundred nine, seventy three, and seven, fifty nine point nine percent. Really fantastic. I have no complaints with that whatsoever. Very proud of that. But in order for me to catch you. And I think this is this to win or to tie? It's just a tie. Just, so I could I could tie we it could and tie force us into, into extras yes. somehow. If I went five and zero oh, and you went zero oh and five, but as Correct. previously stated, you've not even gone one and four yet, and I've not gone five and zero oh this year. You've done that twice. Correct. So okay, whatever. So you're gonna win, but I'm not throwing you the party until we get to that. And that's fine with me. That being said, uh, for like the third time all year, you get the first pick of the week. So what would you like to take off the board? Yeah, my first pick of the week and my lock of the week, it's Baltimore plus four. Uh, hosting. You told me pre-show, put your mortgage on this. Put your mortgage boy. on this one right okay. here, Baltimore plus four. Sponsored by LifeLock. <laughs> hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers here. This is one where I really think, yes, even though the Steelers need to win this game, and we've talked about some key starters that probably won't play in this game. Lamar Jackson won't play in this game. Some wide receivers. I don't foresee a Zay Flowers or OBJ playing in this game. Right. Uh, maybe a couple of offensive linemen and maybe some guys on the defense like Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton. This is still probably one of the better, if not the best teams top to bottom. Very like deep roster. Team. It Very is deep. a deep team going up against uh, Mason Rudolph and a squad that I think this is the top of the market for them. Let's not forget that the quarterback that will most likely be under center for the Ravens is former pro bowler uh, Tyler Huntley uh, of last year. So it's not like they're getting a huge drop off here. Um, and really, right. it, this is just an automatic bet for me. 
Ravens are 20 and four against the spread in their last 24 games as an underdog, including 20 and five against the spread since 2018. Second best in the NFL in that span, just behind the Steelers, actually. Mm. But when Mike Tomlin and Harbaugh meet, the underdog is 23, 5, and 3 against the spread. That's an 82.1% hit rate right there. Uh, almost automatic in, in these cases. I'm taking Baltimore this week. Well, and I would hate this bet if last week Mike Tomlin had already not had, had not already fulfilled his obligation to the universe to, to get to over 500. Yeah, he did that, so he doesn't have to win this game. Yep. So that, you'd probably be dead as a better <laughs> if that was the case, but you, you can take that one. I think that is a lock, absolutely. My first pick of the week 18 best bet gauntlet. I'm taking, in the words of Joe Biden, Minnesota plus three and a half. They are at the Detroit Lions. This one is as simple as they're playing in the late window. And unless both Philadelphia and Dallas lose their early window games, Detroit is locked into that third spot in the NFC. They will have nothing to play for. Now, we know Dan Campbell is a gambling man. We know that he is a risk taker. We know that he is a hard-nosed football guy, trademarked, copyrighted. However. He's, I don't think he's a moron. <laughs> I don't think he's going to risk his high-caliber players out there. Minnesota coming off of a beatdown on primetime last week. Always mm, just licking my fingers at teams coming off of beatdowns on primetime games because there's that personal embarrassment element of we got to let's clean this up and, and make ourselves look better to end the year. I, is Minnesota eliminated? I don't think that they, they have a 3% chance. Right. They have it. a very outside chance. Obviously, that involves winning. Um, you got Nick Mullins starting again in this game. Lions, like I said, likely to have nothing to play for. A number for you on this. Road dogs off of a loss of 20 or more points, which the Minnesota Vikings are, are 61% ATS. Give me the hook here. Give me Minnesota plus three and a half at Detroit. Yeah, I really like that pick. With my next pick, we we did good. We did good. 17 out of 18 weeks, we took uh, one side of the Titans game. That's last most week, of the weeks. Last week, we did it, which was interesting because I was just bonking myself on the head. I was like, too. Why did one of us not take not, the Texans? Uh, but I digress. However, so yeah. we're getting basically the same spread here this week. Mm -hmm. And are we going to bonk ourselves on the head again saying, why did we take the Jacksonville Jaguars? No. No, no. We are not doing that. We're taking Tennessee plus five and a half. You can still currently get this line on Caesar Sportsbook. I, it depends on um, whether Trevor Lawrence or Will Levis or anybody plays. I expect this number to go back up and probably meet the middle ground of like a four, four and a half probably. for sure. I'd grab it now. Um, but I'd grab it now on that book if you can and have an account. This is the most classic Mike Vrabel spot I've ever seen in my entire life. The narrative swirling this week, this team having nothing to play for and finally having a revenge narrative where they can, in their own stadium, ruin a Jacksonville Jaguars season by beating this team. Right. Um, it's really just that simple that when you finally think this team is out and has nothing to play for, Ryan Tannehill's possibly his last game, Derrick Henry possibly his last game, this team is going to want to put everything into this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still there think are incentives, there's... by the way. I don't know if you saw this. De uh, DeAndre Hopkins playing for a million dollars if he gets this seven receptions. Um, Arden Key said in the locker room today that he's playing. We don't know what his incentives are, but he said he's playing for incentives. These guys, it's empty the bag season. It is. Play calling-wise, too. I mean, we've seen yes. the Tim Kelly trick plays. That that bag is clearly deep. Why are you not? You're emptying it in this game. You're trying to spoil for the Jaguars. I agree, and I think that, you know, Mike Vrabel has been just so good against the spread at home as an underdog covering by at least four points. You're giving me five and a half right here. It's too good for me 
not to take, I'm taking Tennessee. The most interesting thing about what you just said there at the end, not to, I'm, I'm with you on this, obviously, but just to add to this handicap, this year, anecdotally looking into this slate today, I was like, man, you know, the whole Vrabel at home as a home dog, or just at home in general, that was really a strong trend early in the year. The season, and now, then. now I'm like, oh, it's not as much. Let me let me see what it is now. He's four and three on the year, ATS favorite or underdog. Those three losses were all two playoff hopeful teams. Two of them were in overtime, and one was on a last second touchdown by the Seahawks. So it's been by the skin of his teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I also there have been times this year that I have URI has bet the Titans where we were going against probably what the pro consensus is based on what we see on the action network and looking at different indicators, just because we have more faith in this team than, than the pros did. I think this is the classic case of my, my heart is telling me, what are you doing? Like you said at the beginning, (laughs) like at that Texans game last week, like maybe this is a nightmare decision. The pros, they, I don't know if you've seen this this week. They They love the Titans. Um, So we're, you know, if we die, we die with them. Um, With my second bet in the week, 18 best bet gauntlet. I'm taking the G man. Give me Ty God. Once again, Tyrod Taylor leading the giants. They are at home against Philadelphia. This is also a week 18 kind of game theory pick. The Eagles have nothing to play for as long as the Cowboys win their game. Now they're both playing in the early window at the same time. The Eagles have floated this week near Ixiriani earlier in the week floated the idea that it's not, I think he said the specific quote was it's on the table for us to rest certain guys in this spot. There's a chance they can win the division if the Cowboys lose, but the Cowboys are, I think they're now two full, two full touchdown favorites against the commanders. Mm-hmm. Odds are by halftime, they're going to be monitoring the game. The Eagles are going to be, come on, the Eagles are going to be monitoring that game. If the Cowboys are murdering the, the commanders at halftime, they're already a pretty banged up squad. I don't know if you've noticed, like Jalen yeah. Hurst has not been super right a lot. Um, I think the report last week was that Devonta Smith left the locker room on crutches and in a boot. Yep. They've got some banged up guys in there. And the, uh, the, the Tyra Taylor led giants is a team that generally I like, I heard somebody today describe, I thought this was perfect. Tyrod is a 19 blackjack hand. You're, <laughs> you, you don't, you, you're not positive. You're going to win with them, but, but you, sure. you feel like you got a pretty yeah. good shot no matter where you are in the game. Um, and so you got a, he's a great backdoor coverer. Um, I think that he's a nice one to always ride with and you got that backdoor channel. There's also in this game, bad weather scheduled, uh, and they're going to be playing that on that evil MetLife turf. So there's an increased injury risk that I don't think the Eagles and Nick Sirianni want to expose themselves to for all of those reasons. You're giving me five and a half points for the giants to cover against an Eagles team that maybe rest the starters by the end of the game. Give me Tyrod and the giants. Yeah, with my next pick, I'm taking Houston. Minus one at Indianapolis in that showdown Saturday night. This is really a bet on me just kind of showing my rooting guide as to who I want just to win the AFC South also right just now. Think the better team I is. think they're also the yeah. better team as well. Um, I'd rather also see a CJ Stroud in the playoffs right now than a fraudulent Gardner Minshew in, in this team. <laughs> I agree. Um, this is really simple to me, even though CJ Stroud has not done well as a favorite. They have the better team up uh top to bottom and I think this one really really uh comes down to which quarterback messes up is it the CJ Stroud who explodes under pressure um 
or, or implodes under pressure, I guess is the correct term there. Or does Gardner Minshew just do normal Gardner Minshew things? Mm-hmm. I think it's Minshew doing things that hurt his team. And I think Houston gets out of here with a win and secures their spot in the playoffs because I think they've earned it this year. So I'm taking Houston. I'm on the side with you heavy as well. It's important to note that the Texans got pretty much as close to a rest week while playing a game last week as you can. Like they, yeah. they didn't they didn't playbook very vanilla in the second half. Mm-hmm. Guys, you know, uh, a player on that team that's really heating up in the past month or two, Will Anderson Jr., played just 12 snaps. He's going to be fresh, by the way, on those 12 snaps. 12 total snaps against the Titans tackles. Six pressures, so half of them, and two sacks. Not yep. bad, not bad. Um, so I'm with you on that one, absolutely. Oh, and one last thing, just to really twist the knife on Colts fans that are coping right now with the fact that their team is like not going to be a great playoff team if they make it. Uh, the Colts are number two in the luck rankings this year. So they've, they've been extremely a lucky. Yep. A lot of breaks. With my third pick of the week 18 best bet gauntlet, I think I'm 0 2 with this team this year. It's time to make it 1 and 2. I, I, this is the time. I, I hate it. It's gross, but it's the play. Give me Carolina plus four and a half at home against Tampa Bay. It's disgusting, but we know this is a trend. I've, I meant to mention this at the top of the, the best bet gauntlet for future reference, folks. Since 1990, eliminated teams playing teams who need to win over the final two weeks of the season, they are 164 and four against the spread, 61%. So this is the, the Panthers against Tampa Bay. That is one of those situations. Tampa Bay win, they win the division, lose, they're out of the playoffs. Carolina playing for their pride. This is every team that's eliminated. You it's know what week like 18 they, is? It's like it's their Super Bowl. That's but week it's 18. not like the, the Panthers have a have a pick or anything. That's a great round, point. So it Zero matter. incentive to help the Bears out uh, and get even better than first round pick. That's not that's not happening. So you're absolutely right. Um, I was looking at because these two teams played relatively recently. I was looking at the last time they played. They met in Tampa just a couple weeks ago, and that line was Tampa favored by three and a half. Now Tampa is on the road, favored by four and a half. And in that game, Carolina covered. They Carolina lost by three. They covered three and a half on the road in Tampa. Now they're four and a half home favorites. And sneaky trend, they've covered in three straight home games, the Panthers have. Um, speaking of luck rankings, by the way, Bucks top five in luck rankings this year. Carolina is dead last. Carolina is also dead last in terms of uh, rankings in this game. The handicap here, they're dead last against the run. Uh, the Bucks can't run, so cool. Yeah. Last thing, uh, Baker and Bulls. We talk, we've talked a lot this year about why we're not picking uh, New Orleans and we're often picking against New Orleans. It's because, man, if you're looking at ATS spreads, uh, against the spread trends for uh, the, the coach quarterback situation in New Orleans, how about this one for Baker and Todd Bowles as favorites of more than a field goal? They are um, 29% and 30% against the spread. Not great. Not great. So I'm taking Carolina plus four and a half at home against Tampa Bay. I'll go to the other uh, NFC South matchup. Just going to cover the as, whole as terrible let's cover division. It, let's okay. cover it again, and I'm going to use. We've covered all of both of the worst divisions, and by the way. This, this, is, that, this is betting, baby. This is betting. Um, this is my take on the NFC South. Okay. If the underdog is over three, so if you get the hook, three and a half or more. Auto bet. You auto bet. Them. Okay. Nobody if is they're nobody under, deserves if they're over under, a field goal. Uh, no one deserves over okay. over a field under a field goal. And that's exactly what I think happens this week as well. I'm taking Atlanta. Uh, currently plus three. I think the hook comes back. So I'm it waiting was three on and a half one. all week until it was. today. Um, I think it comes back. So I'm gonna take three and a half here. 
I think Atlanta's going to win this game outright. This is a classic. In, in this rivalry, it gets closer than three every single time yep. with these two teams. I think Atlanta has a lot to play for. Arthur Smith's job may be on the line in this game. They still have a shot to get into the playoffs if Carolina can pull up and pull off an upset yep. this week. Maybe I think, coach your first job, by the way. Uh, yes, and I think that um, this is both teams that are coaching for their jobs, but I think top to bottom, this uh, Atlanta team has the better offense. I think they have more guys equipped on defense to take care of uh, Derek Carr's weapons, and I think either way, this game is going to be under a field goal, so I'm going to take the underdog. That gives me a field goal and a hook, but if not, I'll take the push. That's fine. Yeah, push is, it's, that's the only risk there. Um, with my fourth pick of the week, 18 best bet gauntlet, my squarest bet of the week easily taking Buffalo minus two and a half at Miami. The fact that you're giving me under a field goal for Buffalo to cover as a favorite on the road in Miami, where I actually like that they're on the road a little bit. You're not going to have the weather impact here at all. It's going to maybe it ran. I don't, I've not checked as far as I'm aware. It's going to be a nice, cool evening. Hope maybe cool. Not terribly hot evening in Miami. Um, I'd imagine this time of year is like, you know, 70 degrees at night or something in Miami. So it should be perfect football weather out there. And I think Buffalo is just the better team here. The Dolphins, they lost both of their primary pass rush producers in the last 10 seconds. Weird side take from me here. I don't think Mike McDaniel, who gets a lot of praise and rightfully so, I don't think he got nearly enough crap this week for the decision to play Bradley Chubb, your primary stud edge rusher when it was Tyler Huntley and uh, and like the entire backup squad in for the Ravens who were up by three scores midway through the fourth quarter last week. He tears his ACL, done for the year. No idea what he was thinking. Terrible decision. But now they're without both of their star pass rushers. I don't know where that pass rush is going to come from. That defense is going to struggle because of it. Um, you've got some like outside things. Tyree Kill's house caught on fire this week, which is terrible. But that's a whole thing where he's distracted. The team may be distracted by that. Like Buffalo has been on a mission for a month and a half. I don't think they fall apart here at the end. I think they win this game. I think that, I mean, Vegas is telling you who, I think they have the third best odds to win the Super Bowl right now. They do. And they're not locked into the playoffs. They may yeah. not make the playoffs. I think Vegas thinks they're making the playoffs. I think Vegas thinks they're going to be a two seed. Um, I think they're going to be a two seed because I think they're going to win the division by winning this game. Give me Buffalo minus two and a half. I think they win by a field goal or more at Miami. I think I'm with you on that one. And my final pick here, I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers Houston minus three and a half versus Kansas City in a game where Blaine Gabbert will be will be the Blaine train. Um, Titans fans know what that he is. Will be like. quarterbacking the the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think you brought up a really good point when we were discussing these before the show. If Patrick Mahomes has been struggling with his receiving core this season, surely Blaine Gabbert's going to figure Blaine it. Blaine Gabbert with, <laughs> the, with even worse receivers. I don't think he's going to be able to get it done. I don't think this so. Is, this yeah. is a pride spot exactly at home for the Los Angeles Chargers wanting to get that win. I think even with the hook right here, I feel pretty good about this bet. Um, there, there, there's a lot of guys on this this Chargers team who have something to play for, and I think that's going to happen uh, in this game. So I'm going to take the Chargers minus three and a half. Yep, I'm with you on that one. My final, man, the final, my fifth and final bet of the Week 18 Best Bet Gauntlet. The final, <laughs> yeah, the final bet of the competition this year in the regular season. Give me Cincinnati. Let me hear those Bengals. What is it? Hear those Bengals roar? What, what's the growling? Gra I hear those Bengals growling. That's what needs to happen for me this week. I think Cincinnati minus seven versus Cleveland is a big number, but I think it's the book trying to scare you off. Genuinely, I do, and I'm refusing to be scared off by it. 
Yes, it's a big number, but Cleveland has nothing to play for. They are locked and loaded into their spot in the playoffs. They're going to be resting every guy on that team that makes the magic. No Joe Flacco, no Amari Cooper, no Miles Garrett. Um, that, that entire stout defense is probably going to be taking the week off, if I'm guessing. And because of that, I think that a good Cincinnati team that has, this is their Super Bowl. They want to finish the season with a winning record, which they can do by winning this game. Their backup, Jake Browning, not like serviceable. You can, you can win games with him. He's done it this year. I think they win this game in this spot against a Cleveland team that was already pretty stretched thin. Part of the miracle story here has been like, man, they're doing it with guys third, fourth on the depth chart. And they're, they're looking really feisty for the playoffs. They're already stretched thin. They're going to be without their now starters, former backups. Like they are not super deep at this point. And I don't think that their depth players are going to put on a good show. I also think this number could come down. If I had to wait on any of these bets we made this week till game day, wouldn't be shocked if the square public comes in and is like, oh yeah, going to, going to really pound Cleveland here. giving me a whole touchdown. Give me Cleveland. It may come down. If it does, I love it. But even at seven, give it to me. I like Cincinnati minus seven versus Cleveland at home there in your home city of Cincinnati. All right. That is our final best bet gauntlet week. Let me recap the week 18 slate for us. JT rocking with Baltimore plus four at home against Pittsburgh, Tennessee plus five and a half at home against Jacksonville, Houston minus one at Indianapolis, Atlanta plus three at new Orleans and the chargers minus three and a half at home against the chiefs. I've got the Vikings plus three and a half at the lions, the giants plus five and a half home against the Eagles, Carolina plus four and a half at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Buffalo minus two and a half at Miami and Cincinnati minus seven at home against the Cleveland Browns. That is our best bet gauntlet for week 18. And that is our very, very lengthy show today. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Do us a favor, hit subscribe. If you're on YouTube, check out Boom Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House, wherever you are, middle Tennessee. Help us out by following the Hot Read Podcast on all social medias, on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at Hot Read Pod for all your show updates and content announcements. 700 subscribers on Broadway. Let's get to 1,000 by the end of the draft. I think that's possible. Come on, guys. Let's get that number up. If you subscribe, it's very helpful to us, and it's free to you. It's very, very nice how that works. It is also going to help you get our shows um, in your feed more often, which if you're listening to us at the end of this hour and a half, clearly you like it. So check it out whenever and uh, hit that bell notification if you want to be notified when we're going live. Until Sunday afternoon, we'll be going live between the late, uh, I'm guessing we'll go live between the late afternoon games and the evening game, recapping mercifully the final game of the 2023-2024 year for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Logan Grady finishing us off today. Best boom boss podcast or best his best podcast in boom boss history. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm good at speaking. Um, thank you, Logan. I appreciate that. After you bamboozled us earlier in the episode, everybody enjoy your weekend, find a way to enjoy Titans Jaguars. We'll talk to you on Sunday afternoon.